Hi, I'm Courtney. This is Something Positive for Positive People. Today, I have Melanie with me. Melanie, go on and introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Melanie from the Midwest. Um, I am a 43-year-old Caucasian cis female. Um, I am a single mom of a 10-year-old, and I am a uh, bisexual, polyamorous person, and I am in the um, healthcare field. Okay, and what is your condition? Um, I was diagnosed with HSB2. Okay, now there's a little bit of a backstory there. So you weren't always diagnosed with HSV2, right? That's correct. That's, so, um, when I was initially diagnosed, it was with a test that did not distinguish between HSV1 and HSV2. And because my symptoms are only um, cold sores and in my nose, they told me that it was HSV1 and I was fine, everybody has HSV-1, so not to worry about it. Um, and then years later, I was diagnosed with HSV-2 and found out I didn't have HSV-1 to start with. Um, All right. So I do have HSV-2 oral. So now when you say um, everyone has HSV-1, can you elaborate a little bit on that? Uh, what my doctors had told me was that the statistics um, showed that a large portion of the population has HSV-1, um, whether they know about it or not. That's a lot of times we call them fever blisters, um, or they may have some tingling, but um, cold sores are pretty common. So your medical health care professionals told you a lot of people have herpes, basically. And or, not to worry about it. Okay. Now, so you were misdiagnosed, well, I'm sorry, you were diagnosed with HSV-1 because it was orally. Um, when did you find out that it wasn't HSV-1 and that it was HSV-2 orally? Um, I had disclosed to partners that I had HSV-1, and after a breakup, one of uh, my partners had come back to me and told me that he was diagnosed with HSV-2 and that I needed to get tested. And this time when I was tested, um, they did the separate testing that separated one and two, and it came back as the HSV-2. Um, and so the, it turned out that I had given him HSV-2 without realizing that I had it. Okay. Now, when you were diagnosed this time, did you ask any questions because you were diagnosed HSV-1 and then you find out HSV-2? I'm sure you had a lot of questions for the doctors at that point. I did. I went online and tried to come up with as much information as I could so I could go, could go into my doctor's office well-armed with everything I needed to know. Um, at the time, I had just come out as bisexual. I had just started some polyamorous relationships. And at that point, I had five people that I had to disclose this to to get tested. And thankfully, they all came back negative just so that our relationship wasn't this strained aspect due to the stigma attached to it. Right. Um, and I'm still good friends with all of them because I was able to disclose right away that hey this happened and they were all very supportive so and initially did they only think you had hsv1 yes okay so you were able to go back to them all five partners you disclosed to five people at one time how did that feel <laughs> that was absolutely horrible that's uh -huh. um i felt at that point that they would no longer want to talk to 
to me because I had exposed them to an STD. Um, it was all new to me. I hadn't really dealt with any of this before. And the uh, one woman, she is my best friend, and she said, nope, that it's okay. We'll get tested. Everything's fine. Um, her husband got tested as well. Everything was fine. Um, the I had been with a couple. They both got tested. Everything was fine. Um, I'm still friends with all of them. But the boyfriend that I had at the time, he basically ghosted me. As soon as I told him, he said, okay, let's not make a big deal out of it. I'll get tested and we'll talk. And then he never spoke to me again. So you were like four out of five. That's not bad for your first disclosure. <laughs> your first set. Disclosed HSV one to start with. It wasn't quite as bad. Right. Um, have a cold sore at the time, so their chance of exposure was more limited. Mm-hmm. But at that point in time, because it is the HSV two oral, my brain went to horrible places. Of I can never kiss anyone again. Oh. I can't kiss my son. Oh my gosh! I gave it to my son. I kiss my son. Oh my gosh, I am. How do I go to my son's doctor and say, can you test my 10 year old for an STD? Yeah. Uh, all so. of these things running through my head. Um, and when I went to my doctor with a notepad full of questions, um, pretty much they, they didn't answer them in a way that I felt was sufficient. Um, and so then I went online and I joined every group I could find. Mm-hmm. Um, the Missouri group, the um, positive singles online. I went to um, the acceptance or the accept project. Everywhere that I could go to get information. Right. Um, because my doctor was not up to date on important things that I needed to know. So, what information did they give you in relation to HSV one versus HSV two? Because the reason I'm asking this is because, all right, your partners were completely fine with you having HSV one, but then when you go, oh, it's number two, they're like, oh no, I'm not dealing with that. Or uh, the one your your boyfriend then was like, oh no, I'm not dealing with that. Uh uh-uh, uh, no way. Like you've got HSV two, I can do one, but two, no way. Right, and I think again because that stigma attached to type two for anything that is related to genital aspects, that scares everyone. But oh, a little cord cold sore, I can see that. Nope, you don't have any. Everything is fine. Um, and so many people know people who have cold sores, so it's not as big an issue there. My doctor told me that it didn't matter whether it was type one or type two. Uh, he said that because of changes and I laughed at that because sexual activities really haven't changed that much we're just more vocal about it um, but because of oral sex that HSV1 can now be genital HSV1 and HSV2 can be oral instead of just genital and so it doesn't matter where you have it it can be type 1 or type 2 and it spreads the same way okay so if Anyone has a, let's just run this through. So if I have a blister on my mouth and I perform oral on someone, they can now have whatever type it is that I've been diagnosed with on their genital area. And if I perform genital, uh, or I'm sorry, if I perform oral on someone who has the genital version and they are having an outbreak, I can contract it orally. And that's, it's just like, it, it, it goes to where... 
the uninfected area is. Now, if I'm doing anything with my hands, like if I'm masturbating a woman or whatever, am I going to get it on my hand? And if I do that and touch myself, am I going to get it on my penis? Right, and that's what I understood, is that's mm -hmm. why with barrier methods, dental dams, um, gloves, condoms... No glove, no love. Right. <laughs> <laughs> any bodily fluids and mucous membranes, it can pass that way. Okay. And so that's why I also had gotten it in my nose, because when I had a cold sore, I had transferred it to my nose, and it was actually more severe in my nose than it was for my cold sores. All right, so a lot of the information that I've received and commonly have discussed has been more that it's skin-on-skin -skin contact and that it's not in any sort of, in any of the fluids. It's the skin-on-skin -skin contact. Are you saying that your medical professionals and research have told you that it also can be contracted through bodily, through fluids? It wasn't necessarily the fluids. It was just that mucous membranes tend to have fluids near them. Okay. So that was the aspect for fluids. Okay, so what you mean is like if I have, let's say I'm having an outbreak um, and there's just like, I, I don't know what the best way is of describing this. Can can you elaborate a little bit? So let's say, what walk me through if an I'm outbreak. If I'm having a cold sore that is an active outbreak and it has drainage coming from it, that would be a bodily fluid, and then that could transmit to another partner. Okay, so you having an outbreak and you have a runny nose, and that that's what could be spread. So let's say you sneeze, don't cover your nose, and... The chances of that would be slim to none. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. I just want to make sure anyone who's listening, because this is new to me, have, hearing about outbreaks in the nose, because I'm familiar with HSV-2 um, being genital. Um, I have it genitally. I haven't had anything come up orally at all and with previous partners that I've had none of them have contracted anything uh, orally or genitally as far as I know from um, just being in contact with them still so this one in particular is new to me because it's in the nose and I had well, no idea I, that that was even a thing that's, I just knew that I went to my doctor and this was a whole this was a different doctor mm -hmm. and I said I have this sore spot in my nose and it won't go away and he asked, do you get cold sores? And I said, yes. And he goes, well, that's the exact same thing. You just have it in your nose. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. All right. So my next question for you is, how long have you been diagnosed? Um, officially diagnosed about 16 months. Okay. Now, when did you first get diagnosed when you were misdiagnosed for HSV-1? This diagnosed was back in 2012. Okay, so when you got your misdiagnosis, you went through life like, oh, it's okay, it's fine, everybody has it, you disclosed to everyone. Um, when you were diagnosed that time, how did you respond to it? I didn't really think too much of it. Um, again, I had had cold sores for so long, I, I honestly don't remember um, when I first started having them. It could have been as a child, um, my family kissed on the lips whether it was aunts, uncles, cousins, parents, everyone kissed on the lips, and it can spread that way. If somebody that um, in my family had an outbreak, it mm -hmm. could have passed that way. Um, previous partners who had cold sores, it could have passed that way. Through oral sex, it could have passed. Um, I really just don't know. Okay, so you just have you have no idea how you contracted it. So going through life, it was just like, well, I mean, 
everyone has it at that point. And well, it's not the cold source. Yeah. It's, it wasn't even something that it was, oh, you have herpes. Mm-hmm. It was, you have a cold sore. Right. Okay. Right. So, I mean, now what we're saying here is that cold sores and herpes are the same thing. It's just when you're, it, it's, it's funny because the use of the words are completely, have completely different interpretation so if I say cold sore oh it's okay you know if nothing's on your lips you're fine like we can do whatever it is that we're gonna do but if I were to say yeah I have herpes orally like it's like yeah you what you know and even someone with cold sores on their mouth would judge you for having herpes uh even though it's one even though they're one and the same right so all right, you're going through life, you're telling people, you know, I have cold sores, and they're like, okay, um, did you deal with many rejections at all? None. None? That, with, and, with, the, with the cold sores, uh-huh. none. That's right. the HSV one, not a single rejection. Okay, and then, <laughs> here we go, 16 <laughs> months ago, and your life just completely changes. You find out now, oh shit, I have HSV too. So, you get HSV-2, and what's your response at that point? At that point, I felt like a walking Petri dish. I, what? <laughs> yeah, I did. I, and I just felt like my dating life was over. Mm-hmm. There, because, okay, the biggest thing that freaked me out was asymptomatic shedding. Okay. That terminology right there that you have no idea when you actually are actively shedding the virus, even if you have no symptoms, freaked me the hell out. I was a basket case. I had panic attacks. Uh, I couldn't sleep at night. I was a mess. That's so Um, crazy. I thought I was walking around, and anybody that I got close to, I was just going to actively just shut it every which direction. Yeah. And until I got more information... That is how I felt about it, mm-hmm. um, and then I got educated. There you go. <laughs> I, I just I went to my therapist, and I had already hit her with a lot of other stuff. And then I go, and now there's this, and I spent a lot of time crying and thinking that just like most people have when they first get diagnosed, that my life is over, my dating life is over. How am I going to deal with this? I'm going to be alone forever. No one's going to want me. <laughs> yeah, all of the things that go through your head that, I mean, rationally, you can go through and tell yourself, well, if that many people have it, and even the number of people who they say have HSV2 have it, well, not everybody's alone. Right. And you can find people within that community and there shouldn't be any issue, but the rational part of your brain isn't working when that first diagnosis oh, no, comes to you. Oh, no, not at all. So you felt gross. You felt like a walking Petri dish, like everyone around you was going to get it as well. Um, how long did that go on? Like, how long before you just snapped out of it and were like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm in therapy. Um, I have good people around me. Now that your boyfriend goes to you, because I feel like when you disclose some very personal information about yourself to someone and they the way that they respond to it really lets you know what their intentions are you tell your boyfriend and what's his response um he was very nonchalant of 
well, let's not make too much out of this. Let me get tested, and then we'll talk. I don't like drama. And then he never talked to me again. Wow. Talk about avoiding drama, I guess. Um, and, of course, you felt sad, alone. I felt panicky. I felt rejected. I felt that I would never have a personal life again. And how long and were you two together? <laughs> literally a month. Oh, okay. So he was just like, oh, it's been early. I can get out of this. Exactly. And, and you know, hindsight, I don't blame him. Mm-hmm. Of course. That's, um, we didn't have that much going on yet. If we would have been together longer, it would have hurt more. But I think it was just that instant rejection on top of the new diagnosis that just cemented everything in my head that I'd been telling myself. It's so shocking to me that your circle was so accepting of HSV-1, but the second you get HSV-2, you know, that all goes out the window. Like that, I I know I mentioned this earlier, but that is shocking to me. Right, and there are eight different types of human-type herpes, Mm -hmm. and the only one that people freak out about so much is type 2, and specifically genital. Um, If you have chicken pox, Oh, as every, kids get chicken pox. That's, you know, you don't want to be around them to get it, but that happens. No mm-hmm. big deal. There's no stigma with chicken pox. Everybody, stigma, everybody gets it. Yeah, that's the stigma. It. Everyone gets chicken pox. So imagine if we just switched chicken pox out with herpes. Like, then what? <laughs> everybody gets it. <laughs> so it just, it just really amazed me that with that many different types of herpes, that this is the only kind that gets that stigma attached. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, I mean, I'm sure there are people out there with HSV-1 who just didn't have the fortune that you've had <laughs> in your disclosing right. process. Uh, so far, everyone I've interviewed, I believe, has had HSV-2. So this is this is one, this one's new to me as well. Okay, so you get ghosted by your boyfriend. You tell your polyamory... I don't want to say the wrong thing. So is it like your other partners? Is it your polyamory other partners okay so your other partners and everyone else is rather accepting they're at least involved with you in some form or fashion did you stop becoming involved sexually with them we did yes Mm -hmm. that's and it was on both our ends i didn't want to take the risk now that i knew and they also didn't want to take the risk of passing it to their other partners got it got it okay and so that happens now you're cut off from sex <laughs> I guess uh, and now what now what do you do now um so when I told my therapist about it she had said you know there's a lot of dating sites that are specifically for people with STDs that would be a good way to get back into the dating scene um in a way that's more comfortable because everyone has to disclose something on those sites because that's why they're there and I joined up on uh positive singles and pretty shortly thereafter I met someone and we hit it off beautifully and so my almost overnight I went from this is a death sentence and I am forever going to be ousted socially and sexually to oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) oh I have a chance at love yeah you know what I got that worked oh man all right, so the recovery process really just started for you in therapy. Once you realized you weren't alone and that you had access to 
others who also had your condition, you were fine? I was okay. I still had some issues, though, because what if I wanted to date someone that didn't have it? Mm-hmm. Then what? And um, the safety precautions and so forth that needed to be made. Um, and at that point, I decided to be more open about it. I had just, like I said, I had just come out as bisexual, and so I was talking to people about this. And I'm like, oh, what's one more thing on top of that? So I took the approach of, we were already talking about how hard it is to date. Oh, it's so hard to find somebody to date. And I would just casually bring it up that, well, it's a little bit more so for me because I have HSV too. So you kind of opened up the dating pool a little bit by dating men and women. And then you just narrow it back down with having HSV too. Like, okay, I I date men and women. Everybody's like, yay. Now you're like, but I have genital herpes. Oh. (laughs) Uh, uh, yeah, so that was very, you know, eye-opening to me of how am I going to communicate this without... So I had talked to a lot of people online, and their experiences with disclosure were, well, I wait until there's going to be possible sex with this person, or I wait until the third date, I wait until now. For me, having HSB2 oral, I couldn't even kiss someone goodnight without thinking again, that whole asymptomatic shedding. Mm -hmm. Where do I go from here? So I finally started, like I said, just disclosing before it was even a possibility out on the table. And then if they weren't interested, we didn't even go down that route. Right. Um, But when I uh, met one of my current girlfriends, um, when I talked to her online, we weren't even talking about dating yet. And I just said, yep, trying to find someone to date is difficult and she agreed and I said yeah but it's a little bit harder because I, I have HSV too she goes oh that has to suck okay and then we just dropped it because it didn't have anything else to do with our conversation and then later on when we met in real life we talked more about it and we talked more about it and she's like well I get cold source too so probably no big deal mm-hmm. okay but still wanted to protect each other so we didn't know, you know I was like oh I don't want to collect the set <laughs> yeah. I already have HSV2 I don't want HSV1 now all this time later I go eh technically it is the same thing I really don't care at this point point. Um, and I date people who have HSV1, HSV2 or don't have either of them mm-hmm. um, but for me I still kind of draw the dating line at other STDs like I don't want to collect the whole set, so yeah. I'm stopping with that. They're the same <laughs> <family>. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, how, if at all, has herpes impacted your day-to-day life? Like outside of just dating, um, do you feel any different? Does it make you act any different, or what? Um, it has. That's I mean, just in the generics that I started taking the daily. Um, Valtrex um, generic just so that gave me peace of mind that I wasn't going to spread it through the asymptomatic shedding even if that was unlikely that gave me that extra feeling of security that now I've taken every precaution I can Mm -hmm. and I'm going to check the people that I care about Um, so my regimen is I now take a daily medication um, because of it Um, I also 
use the Abrevo whenever I get a cold sore, and it works beautifully. Um, whenever I donate um, blood or platelets, I tell them that I'm taking a medication for an infection. No, it's not active, but I have to disclose. Yeah. Um, in my everyday life, it has really made a positive impact, which seems so crazy now looking back. But I have become much more open with communication with people, mm-hmm. whether it's with friends, with family, with partners. If you have to disclose something as intimate as an STD or STI, however people like to refer to them, infection, disease, um, but having to disclose that, I'm much more able to talk about things that are difficult. Yeah. Um, and really have that open dialogue that is really important in relationships. And I didn't have that as well before. Yeah. I never thought about that because it's been the same thing with me. When I communicate with people who know that I have HSV2 genitally, (laughs) however, um, those people I'm able to more so open up to and communicate with on a much deeper level and it's almost uh, effortless communication, to say the least. Whereas, you know, on a first date or something like that, I do personally feel like I'm hiding something. If it's someone that I'm dating or interested in outside of um, the, I don't know, STD community. Man, this just sounds weird, STD community. <laughs> uh, but when you're dating someone who doesn't know that they don't have, I don't know, that thinks they don't have an SCD, however you'd word it, someone who hasn't been diagnosed. Um, I'm, I'm not the same person, and I've noticed that. And so doing this and speaking with other people and hosting this podcast has really helped me in realizing, wow, you know, maybe if I'm a little bit more open about my life, you know, more a little more transparent, like, yeah, you know, I have herpes, then that's something that will help me, as you just said, effortlessly more so communicate. And I didn't think about it until you just said it just now, but like, that's exactly what's happening. And, you know, I'm so, so happy that you were willing to come on here and effortlessly communicate with the world um, on this podcast and share your story as well. So thank you so much, Melanie. Oh, my pleasure. Last thing. So in hindsight, if you were able to go back to... 16 months ago (laughs) and talk to your uh, then self what would you what advice would you give just to like let yourself know hey it'll be okay and allow you to bounce back and recover quicker from that state of oh my god I'm going to be alone forever I'm a walking petri dish right I think I would really just tell myself just as everything else in my life be rational about this Mm -hmm. ourselves in emotion when we're scared about something and if we educate ourselves and then we're able to communicate clearly with others so so when I educated myself about what symptoms were what the likelihood of being able to spread it to another partner if I, I would have known then what I know now I would realize that by talking to them and communicating and letting everyone know that it's not a, as big a deal as what I was making it out to be, that I think we can start to reduce 
it's the stigma that's attached to it. Mm-hmm. But I, I think at that point, if I just if I thought about it and researched, and there's so many good resources for us to get real information, not just coincidental. Oh, this is what I have. This is what I have. And oh, you hear all these horrible things, and you see these horrible pictures online. Oh, but those are the worst. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for sharing your personal experience. Right now, at this point in life, you seem to be pretty happy, content with everything. You, it's like let's talk a little bit about how normal your life is, where you are right now. Where I'm at right now is I have a normal work life. It doesn't interfere with that. Um, I have a normal life with my son. And I have a very active social life, and I'm dating several people. Um, and everyone you're dating, are you? Oh, just, go ahead. Don't. So. so some have. I'm sorry, would you kind of cut out there? You said oh, some sorry. have HSV two and some don't. Right. That's my partners have. Some do have HSV two. Mm-hmm. Some have HSV one, and some don't have either. Okay. And everybody went into the relationship with me fully knowing what the risks were, what we need to do to protect them, and to protect their other partners. Yeah. You know what? I find that I'm in conversations now with quite a few people who are very open sexually, uh, who do have HSV just in conversations that I've been having and I'm wondering if I could if I should do some sort of episode would you be willing to like discuss how your dating life is uh, on a separate episode of course like how your polyamorous dating life is having an STD Um, I spoke with Hannah on a recent episode and she kind of got into that but it was very it was very broad so we talked about you know her sexuality um, her kink life but we didn't really touch on polyamory and dating so would you be open to that certainly I could relate to Hannah quite a bit when I listen to that podcast because I'm also in the community yeah wait you're in the lifestyle book club so yeah that's all these different things bisexuality polyamorous lifestyle yeah and hsb2 put it all together (laughs) all right awesome so this is going to conclude our interview i'm still working on an outro but um (laughs) one day that'll get done so follow me on instagram and twitter at h on my chest I am still looking for interviews, um, people to interview and come on and share their story. Um, If you're interested, please just, I mean, direct message me or you can shoot me an email at Courtney, C-O-U-R-T-N-E-Y, W-Brame, B-R-A-M-E, at gmail.com. Again, that's just Courtney, W-Brame, at gmail.com. And um, if you hear this, please like, comment, share. Uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel for now. One day it'll be a podcast. I promise I'm working on it. Um, it's just taking a while, just having so many things going on. And I really want to get these interviews done so that I can produce the content or edit the content and get it out to you guys as fast as possible. 
um, anyone who's involved with any sort of local communities or groups, if you have, um, please like get this to the newly diagnosed people. Um, if there's anyone who's kind of in a funk or you think could listen or benefit from listening to this, if they can relate, then please share with them as well. So this concludes something positive for positive people with Melanie. Hey, Grin. My roommate just got here. Uh, <laughs> uh, Melanie, you can go on and say bye. All right, thank you for interviewing me today. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. You have a great rest of your day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye.